Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I talk with the best friends, Connor Kingfisher and Marie Silverberg, about puppies. This is near and dear to my heart right now as I am fostering a litter of four puppies, but today's episode is a little more scattered than what you may be used to hearing on the Pooch Parenting Podcast. That's partly because we were just having so much fun hanging out and talking together, and it's partly because we all have so much passion and interest in talking about a variety of topics as they relate to puppies. We do spend some time talking about their Super Pup Academy, as well as how to choose a good puppy or a good source for a puppy. But there are a lot of other meanderings as we go along the way. So I hope you bear with us. This is a long one, but we have so much fun doing it. So I hope you'll stick around. Enjoy. Well, hello there. Today we are interviewing Connor Kingfisher and Marie Silverberg, two people that I'm sort of a social media fangirl of, which feels really weird to say because I normally see myself as sort of a regular person, <laughs> but these, these two people have been really inspiring to me because not only are they incredible dog trainers and they are super savvy with working with dogs and families who've got children, but they also keep things super real and are willing to laugh and joke about things that a lot of dog trainers are super militant about. Connor and Marie, thank you for being here. And Marie, why don't we start with you and I'll have you introduce yourself first. Yeah, well, thank you for having us. Um, so I'm Marie Silverberg. I'm a certified behavior consultant and certified dog trainer. Um, I have four wind sprites at home um, and one almost six-year-old child. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am one half of Super Pup Academy. Excellent. Connor? Um, I am Connor Kingfisher. I have uh, no children, <laughs> but um, I do have a Rottweiler mix and an Icelandic sheepdog puppy who is barreling towards teenhood. So, and they are clearly your children. Don't lie. Don't say you don't have children. And you are Dexter's honorary uncle. I, I am Dexter's uncle. Yeah. So I do deal with the like kid dog interaction with, yes. with them. Yeah. We well, yeah. And you are together dogs. a lot. And so you are working a lot with Dexter's relationship with the dogs, which I think Absolutely. is really neat. So Marie, before we go too far and I get lost in the weeds, I want you to talk a little bit about your breed of dog because I have to confess, I did not know this breed of dog existed until about seven months ago. Um, I wasn't really clear on many of these, you know, smaller niches of dog breeds. And I 
was so captivated by these dogs. I started reading everything on your website about them and finding them online to look at pictures. They are super cool. So tell us what they are and what their behavior is like and why this is your breed. Yeah. Um, so wind sprites are really fun, versatile dogs. Um, I was drawn to the breed because they have such a good off switch. So they know how to nap when it's not their turn. Um, but they're, they're sight hounds and they have a bit of coat because at the end of the day, I like my dog's aesthetic. Like that is the thing that I care about. And I like floofy dogs. <laughs> so I'm very, yeah, yeah, a little, you know, come on, <laughs> get real. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could talk about wind sprites easily for hours, um, but I do, I do breed. So my kennel name is Absara Wind Sprites. And if you want, I can always come back and we can do a whole podcast just to talk about wind sprites. I definitely think we should do that. <laughs> but I will link to that in the show notes because if yeah. people, if we pique their curiosity, I think one of the things that I love and one of the things that I was drawn to in terms of your social media and why I follow you all the time is that... Um, these dogs seem to be a really, really lovely family dog. And I am always looking for breeders that not only breed using things like puppy culture, where you are really looking at how to improve the dog's development and help them be balanced in life for the rest of their life, um, but also dogs that families are going to love to have because they're go with the flow dogs. They're a good size, they're portable, but they're not tiny, tiny, you know, and they, they, like you said, they have an off switch. That's a really big appeal for most families. So I think it's going to be great. We'll talk about that more later. One thing I will say too, especially about the Epsara website is I tend to send it to people as a way to show them how to look for a breeder. So whether or not that's the breed that they're interested in, you can look at that and be like, okay, if there's information you're seeing here that's not somewhere else, ask that of the breeder you're looking at. So I highly recommend checking it out. That is so important. And I, this is really what we're diving into today is, is how families can choose a dog, really. How, how to choose a good breeder, how to choose a puppy, how to make these choices, because it can be overwhelming. And I feel that there's so much misinformation online and people get duped by a pretty website. Uh, that's actually a puppy mill or something horrible right. like that. And so that was actually, Marie, one of the things I did love about your website is I saw pictures of your house. I saw the dogs in it for real. They were not Photoshopped. I could see that they were part of your daily life and that you had really cool enrichment and the dogs were interacting with your baby at the time of some of the photos. So that to me spoke big volumes. And they were not interacting with your baby in an appropriate, isn't this cute, let me take a video for social media way, but in a, I know my dogs and I'm physically present way, which is yeah. different, right? And I'm actively trying to feed my child and my dog is climbing up the back of the high chair and stealing the food off the tray table. So before I move the dog, let me take a video of this really quick because it's actually really cute. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> There's a lot of that. I shared a, I shared a video on Facebook yesterday, two days ago, that someone sent me somebody's YouTube video of a dog biting a baby in the head um, because the parent is standing there and they're like watching like, oh, look at how cute. And the baby, the dog was trapped. First of all, the dog was trapped yep. against a couch and a coffee table, had no means of escape. The child was grabbing the paws and all kinds of stuff. The baby was probably like nine months old or 10 months old, you know, in that grabby 
you know, developmentally not able of making any decisions. And the parent just thought it was cute. And the dog gave so many warning signs, Mm -hmm. looking away, lip licking, all the things. And it was totally ignored. And so the dog just real quick chomp and got out of there. And I had to watch with the sound off because I would not, I could not handle listening to the baby screaming after that. But yeah, that's, that's too common. It's way too common. And there's a lot of, I want to call them horror stories. There's a lot of horror stories out there because the really, really awful things are the, the things that make the front page that get shared all over the place. And let's not sweep it under the rug and pretend that it doesn't happen because it does. Babies are small and some dogs are very big and bites from any dog to a baby can, or any young child, um, can be very damaging. So it it is important to know your dog individually. Mm -hmm. Um, and also in situations like that, where, you know, the, the dog and the child are having some interaction and I'm like, I think this is cute. And I think my dog's having fun, but I'm not sure one way you can kind of test the waters and find out is to just kind of move your child for a moment or get your child to stop and see if the dog comes back for more Mm -hmm. or if they just kind of lay there looking at you like, oh, my God, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Consent is a huge deal. Consent is a really big deal. I just did an interview with a woman who's actually a sex educator I hope you listen to it. I think you'll love it. She was super fun. And we talked a lot about how dogs are a perfect example to teach about Mm -hmm. consent and bodies and things like that. Not in a sexual way, of course, but just in a, I can change my mind way, you know, that maybe I really like playing this game with you or being touched by you right now, but maybe I don't anymore and I want it to stop. Right. And so consent given can be consent taken away, right? These are all things that we have to recognize. And one of the things that I feel like, and you know, maybe this is controversial, but dogs should be able to teach consent in ways that don't actually harm the child. Yeah. And I think we've normalized a lot of, I want to say disturbing amounts of aggression. So the dog that is quote unquote trapped by an infant I, I want to say it's not. I want to say the dog could leave, right? Because it's an infant. Mm-hmm. And I I know it's something that you breed for um, to have dogs that go, wow, I don't like this. I'm going to choose a different path. Um, leave. <laughs> and yeah. maybe it does mean snarking. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how familiar people are with like the Dunbar level of, of bites, but there's so many different ways that you can almost bite without, without actually, actually causing biting. damage yeah. without using teeth right you right. Can, you can, yeah a really good example um dexter was just learning how to walk and wally my first wind spray and the the dog i mean they grew up together wally was six months old when i had dexter like they were babies together they grew up together their relationship is something unique for a dog and child relationship but dexter was learning how to walk Um, He was a little late of a walker, so I think he was closer to two, maybe two and a half. And Wally was resting on a chair in the room and also in the middle of an allergy outbreak. So he was itchy and he was grumpy and he wasn't feeling as good. And Dexter went to, you know, toddle by as toddlers do. And he fell and he went to catch himself on the chair. His hand landed on Wally's foot and Wally kind of looked at him for a second like, whoa, and 
Dexter's trying to get up, so didn't move his hand. And as I'm walking over there to intervene, Wally snarked at him, which mm -hmm. is a snap, which means my mouth and my face moved towards this thing that I wanted to go away. And I made noise, but I didn't do any damage. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no puncture. Teeth didn't contact. It just, hey, if I wanted to hurt you, I could. But what if you went away right now? And I think that dogs, I'm not saying that they should be allowed to do that or that they need to do that every single day, but any parent that you talk to who has a kid and a dog, eventually your dog is going to tell your kid to knock it off, yeah. right? I mean, let's, let's get yeah. real. Let's get real. Eventually your dog is going to tell your kid to knock it off. Yeah. And it is really, really important that you have a dog that has what we call good bite inhibition meaning I know exactly how hard I need to bite or use my mouth in order to send my message. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we realize that um, it's not an accident when dogs miss. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, wow, they like almost did, but they no, they know exactly. Dogs are really good at that. That's how they can play with their teeth so well is because when they snark, when they snap near and say, wow, I hated that, that wasn't that they tried to bite and didn't. It was that they yep. very specifically didn't bite, which can we, I want to talk again really quickly. I want to go back to your rocking the boat moment. Cause I loved it by the way, go for <laughs> no it. Let's do it some more. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up some more, but what I wanted to say about the trapped thing, this is really interesting because I, I think, so it's funny when I say trapped, I kind of meant the dog was up against a piece of furniture and maybe did not see any means of escape. So that's like physically trapped. But I actually think that some dogs feel emotionally trapped, right? That like they don't necessarily know that they can get up and move or they are emotionally in conflict because they want to be close to mom or dad, but they don't want to be close to this baby and so they're kind of trapped because they are like, well, mom or dad is really close filming and they should be keeping me safe and I want to be near them, but I really don't want to be near this kid. So what do I do? I am, I'm stuck, right? And so I actually am taking a class right now um, called flight behavior, which is I'm trying to learn how to help dogs learn the process of leaving a situation by choice, which is very empowering um, from anything that makes them uncomfortable, right? Whether that's for my dog, I'm dealing with some sound sensitivity and we're trying to figure that out, how to use it there. But there could be dogs that leave other dogs. There could be dogs that leave, you know, noisy delivery trucks or children, right? But I feel like in the line of work that I'm in, it would be instrumental for some families to teach their dog to leave the the annoying toddler, the tantruming toddler, because then we don't have to escalate necessarily, and the dog can sort of take care of itself right. by taking yes. space. Does that make sense with it the does. thing? And I also want to pick on um, trainers across the board on this too, because we can create that conflict through training, regardless of our methods. So everybody likes to be like, "Oh, well, if the dog is going to be punished if it moves," but also if we're reinforcing the dog hanging out and being calm, I'm using air quotes that you can't see, or still yeah. with really high value food, we are going to create a conflict where the dog's like, ooh, maybe I don't want to be here, but I really do want that squeezy tripe or whatever it is. So being aware of how we can be coercive in our training, even when we're being 
what we think of as very kind. Yep. Oh, my mind is blown. I That is really interesting yeah. because we do that a lot. We reward calm behavior, but mm-hmm. I could totally see how that would make a dog think it shouldn't leave. Yep. Ah, okay. Now I have to rethink some things. I'm, I may be messaging you later, I, but that is, really, that is something that we all have to think about, right? We can really create our own like screwed up conflict because, oh boy. Okay. I've got to think some more on this. That's really true. I think you're absolutely right. I love that you said that because, ooh. All right. So we're going to steer directions a little bit. Okay. Um, From a little bit from dogs and kids, but not entirely. Um, And I want to shift and hear a little bit more about your special pup academy, because at the end of the day, we need a dog who we love to live with. And what that means, whether you have kids or not, right? We all, so my background, I, I volunteered at a shelter for a million years. And then I was on staff in the behavior and training department. I taught a lot of classes, but I also helped to evaluate some of the dogs that were going to be put up for adoption. And um, their dogs would come through that were turned in by families because they were inappropriate with the kids or any number of things, a million different reasons why dogs can be relinquished. But at the end of the day, I think you and I, you plural, all of you and me, we share... Um, a goal of helping people love their dog. Like that's the whole reason we get them is we want to love them and have fun with them. And, you know, we're not going to, you should enjoy your dog. Like you should be able to enjoy your dog as a part of your life and not as this project. Well, yes. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so there are the people who want to rescue things and fix, fix projects. Right. And, and I get that and, and good for you. Like, great. But there are people who just want like the classic, you know, I think about Lassie or whatever, you know, like you just want a dog, a D-O-G, doesn't matter what it is. We just want to love it and have family adventures together, right? And Mm -hmm. so the program that you have put together sets people, whether they have kids or not, up for success with these baby dogs. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it is and how you think maybe what you're doing is a little bit different than like, just going to like your typical puppy classes. Let's go off to class. Here we go. Here we go. Well, I could talk a lot bit about it, but I'll do my <laughs> best to make it a little. <laughs> okay. Maybe um, a lot. That's fine. I'm flexible. Yeah, you know, I, one of the big differences for me about going to a class in person versus doing something like our course, which is online, is that when you go in person, Let's not even begin to think about all of the gymnastics that you need to do to be able to leave your house. And then were you lucky enough to find a puppy class that's happening during the day so that your child is off at daycare or school or or is child in tow? And then you get there and is child even allowed to be in the ring? Or are we just, you know, the ring at the the puppy training facility? Or are we just really hoping that our kid's going to sit there with our phone for an hour while we do this class? There's a lot of gymnastics. Or that you have an instructor. That right. allows your kids to be right. there or welcomes your kids. A lot, I was of them the only one. kids. Yeah. Yeah. a lot of them do not allow you to bring your children, which is yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I would love to see more facilities promoting classes for kids training dogs, but that's a whole different that's thing that topic. I can rant about for hours. <laughs> we don't need to go there. So yeah. that was one of the driving factors behind Super Puppy um, for Super Pup Academy. The course is Super Puppy, but our whole curriculum was built around 
helping people kind of, or just, you know, setting people up for success with their puppies. Um, our whole first week on the curriculum is management, right? I'll let, I know you're really excited about the first week, so I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, we really sat down and we're like, by the time people get to class or, you know, if they get to class before they get the puppy, which is amazing and rarely happens. Yep. Um, but if they're already there, they're exhausted. They haven't been <laughs> sleeping. The puppy is probably peeing and pooping in places they didn't want. Mm-hmm. It's chewing on stuff they didn't want. They like maybe read the articles and it's not working. Like whatever it is, they're tired. They are questioning their choices. <laughs> like, why did I do this? And we yeah. just want to get everyone back to baseline. Like, uh-huh. let's sleep again. Let's uh-huh. remember that we actually like this thing we brought into our home. We take that whole first week to just hit the reset button and just bring order to chaos. And I just love that. let's talk so about nice. managing your puppy so that you can think. Because no one is expecting yeah. anyone to be able to do anything when they're that tired. And that's another piece of it is that every day we ask our, our students, what's your one thing going to be today? Your one thing. You can mm-hmm. do more than one, but what's one? And here's a menu. So that if you don't have brain space left, because by the time I get around to training my dogs, you know, on busy days, when it is kid to school and work all day and, you know, pick him up on the way home, I'm making their dinner and I am not about to go find some whole thing somewhere about I have kibble in a bowl. What am I doing? So the ability to just be able to just open the thing and look at it and go, okay, here's a menu of things I can pick from. Yep. And I could do any of these with, there's no fancy, you don't need anything fancy. Nope. Uh Right. Just puppy and snacks (laughs) and you'll make it. Really good teaching. I love that because you're setting up your human students and your dog students for success because you're giving them something that's doable. That's fantastic. And it's, it's all very real. Right. Um, Like we, yeah, we would love to have a video of you working on this assignment, but you know what, if today's been a lot and you can't take a picture of your puppy before you start your session or take a picture after just so that you can say, look, I did it. Mm -hmm. And then take a video tomorrow and send it over. Or if it went great and you're like, actually, this is fine. And I don't really care if my puppy knows how to sit. Good for you. I don't need to see it. Great. (laughs) Right. What do you want to focus on? Um, and that's where we kind of get into how we cater things for your puppy, your family and your situation. Um, so we do, uh, what we call exposure, which is socialization, but with a focus on going at your puppy's pace rather than like the traditional, like pass the puppy, throw the puppy into something like eat cookies near this thing. I put a peanut butter tube on your nose and I'm making you walk over this thing that you hate. (laughs) Yeah, um, because at at the end of the day, we want them to be exposed to things, which is potentially less overwhelming for puppy, but also to be totally honest, it's also less overwhelming for the human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if I hear my puppy needs to see this, oh my god, that's so easy. I can just load them in the car. We can drive there. I can roll down the window and be like, "There, puppy, did you see that? Awesome. Did you want a cookie scatter about it?" Sure. Okay. Now we're done. And now we can go do the next thing uh-huh. because I have 50 billion things to do in the next two hours. Yep. And I want my puppy to not be a nervous, weird wreck when it's a year and a half old. So I know I'm supposed to do my homework, but <laughs> God, it's hard. <laughs> right. Like parents pro tip, if you need to socialize your puppies to the, or expose your puppy to the idea of children, bring your puppy with you to school pickup and they do not need to get out of the car. 
You yes. sit there in that parking lot. You got there a little early and roll down your window and just hold your puppy in your lap and just see puppy. Look at all these children. Aren't they wonderful? <laughs> yes. No, I love that tip. I, I think that's so great. There's so much you can do from the car. I mean, you could park, you know, where they can see shopping carts. You know, first you start at the farthest away corner of the parking lot, and then maybe you move a few spots closer every once in a while, but you can see so many things in the world. Um, you know, fire stations and parks and playgrounds and all these things from the safety of your car. Um, one thing that's been interesting, actually, and I would love to hear your take on this, is a girlfriend of mine who lives in my town um, said that she is seeing a huge number of clients whose veterinarians have told them that due to an increase in parvo and distemper in our area, that they should not be bringing their dogs outside of a house until they're fully vaccinated. And this, of course, makes us crazy because <laughs> I, I know, the, the look, by the way, listeners, the look on their faces, their eyeballs just ponged out of their head, both of them. Um, no, We're and that so was my response this. too. It's uh-huh. not new. <laughs> no, I know. But like, so for example, here in our community, we actually haven't, we haven't had Parvo in a really long time, but because there, so we live in a community, it's pretty affluent. There is a shortage of adoptable dogs. And so um, what happens is, is all of our shelters, many of our shelters, I should say, and our rescue organizations go to counties throughout the entire state of California and they rescue dogs from high kill shelters or other places. Like the foster puppies that I have right now were found in a cardboard box on the side of a road, right? So random places collecting dogs that are adoptable and lovely mm-hmm. and bringing them here, which has caused, unfortunately, um, an influx in heartworm yeah. and um, parvo and distemper because some of these dogs are, are coming over with that. So Anyway, we're in, we're in New England and again, affluent area where there is a dearth of dogs. And so we get all of our puppies shipped up and adult dogs shipped up from down south. Yes. So, same thing. Yeah. So you get Alabama. It. Yeah. We had an upper respiratory, some way shape yeah. of canine influenza that ran pretty rampant last year and was pretty awful. Yeah, um, but the, the advice though of don't yeah. take your dog outside of your house. I mean, that's so don't damaging. Do that. <laughs> don't do that. So that's why us talking about how fun and easy it is to bring your dog in the car or wear them in a sling. If you have a baby dog that's little okay. enough, stick them in a backpack. Stick them in a and I Put do them in the stroll. I want to just throw in really quickly because I know that I, I can guarantee there are vets that listen to your show. Yeah, so. we are not. Trainers that want to tell you to not listen to your vet, right? Right. No, we are not here to create that contention. No. No. So instead, when your vet tells you something like that, I want, I want to hear more questions. Like what is the concern and how can we mitigate that? Right. Yep. So because it it is a concern, it is a valid concern. And they don't have room right now for anyone else with sick puppies. Let's also (laughs) remember when our vets tell us, hey, Parvo's running rampant. Please don't leave your house with your puppy. Number one, your vet is overworked. Number two, they are, I mean, vets work so many hours every week. It is insane. I was a tech for a number of years. Technicians, same. I can't tell you how many lunches vets and vet techs give up because they do not have time to stop and eat. That man right now is understaffed. They are tired. They just got done getting yelled at by someone about who knows what invoice. 
please be nice. <laughs> bring them bring, snacks next bring, time you go. Bring bagels. <laughs> I brought brownies. I brought brownies. I promise I did. They were so okay. surprised. Uh-huh. No, but I agree with you. But, I mean, I don't at all. Bex, we that. love you. This we is you. not us saying like, no. No, but also if you hear that from your vet, if you hear your vet say, Hey, this disease right now is really big everywhere, all over the place. Please don't leave your house. Stay indoors. I want some question back like, Oh, I want, you know, I have a few things left that I need to socialize or expose my puppy to before their primary socialization window closes. And I say primary because socialization never ends, but we can go back to that later. Um, (laughs) How do you suggest I safely socialize my puppy? Is this something that they have to come into contact with? Like if they're in a stroller or if I carry them, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Or is this respiratory? And we should watch things from inside of our car. Are you telling me that it's not safe to take my puppy hiking on some trail in the middle of the woods where probably no dogs have been? And if they have, they probably didn't poop on the trail. So risk of parvo there is next to none, or I'll make sure my puppy doesn't eat anything and clean their feet off after if you have some miracle puppy that doesn't pick things up off the floor. <laughs> um, but ask, what can I do that? You know, yeah. that, that's the information. And I, I promise your vet might be a little bit surprised and also really happy and thankful that someone is finally engaging with them and asking <laughs> that question. Well, I think they're, um, just, they're trying to keep everybody safe. Correct. So they just, they're running through the bullet points really fast because they yep. only have so much time. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. I think though, from a long-term perspective, a vet that gets asked those questions will likely not be seeing that same dog later for behavior problems because exactly. they haven't seen things in the world. So I love that we're having this conversation because- Agreed. I, I in no way mean to bash vets because I love them and appreciate oh, we know them. You don't. We just want to say no, that. I, no, I really <laughs> appreciate you pointing that out, though. I really yeah. do, because it, it was such a shocking piece of advice to me, because because I think what is obvious to me and to you both is that there's a lot of different ways to see the world mm-hmm. and and experience things in safe ways. And I think the pandemic should have taught us that also, that like you can go maybe get um you know, where you pick up your groceries at the curbside and you you are comfortable maybe with being in your car and being masked and being careful and opening the trunk of your car and quick sticking things in and then closing it and driving away, right? And so that's just one example of ways that we can help our puppy, right? We can have our puppy in the car. We can see the world. Even if the windows are closed, I think that's fine. Or we can crack them a little bit to hear the sounds of the kids at drop-off. And it's the, is it the, I always forget the letters, the American Veterinary Association. Yeah. The MA or the, the American one College of Veterinary Behaviorists or Ooh. the American Veterinary Medical Association. Which one? They they have the, like, <laughs> the both. The, there is the a. Statement. You're talking about the statement. I know what you're talking about. Statement about socialization. Yeah. And that's something that I do recommend that people take a look at and we can get a link up or whatever for that. Yeah, let's do that. It is specifically about the the old advice of like don't take them out even if there aren't these severe medical problems happening in the community like really truly you need to take your puppy out because some vets went to medical school decades ago and that was the best answer at the time right well, that risk so, mitigation right cost yeah, yeah. cost so risk having that in your pocket when you go to your vet and being like okay but this is actually you know from the last couple of years has been put out So I'm following this. Help me do this well. Yeah. 
I like just because you can't do everything doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something. Yep. Right. Like just yep. because you can't take your baby puppy to Petco and plunk them down on the floor and go, <laughs> look, guinea pigs, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't, right. Take them to who knows where in a backpack or sling or car or whatever. Also yep. under most circumstances, would I take my baby puppy to Petco no. and plunk them down on the floor? So I want to point out what you just said, which is if you can't do everything, you can do, still do something. Correct. Which brings us back to your class. class. One, yeah. which yeah. our focus is again, like what's your one thing? Because one thing. Everyone in the class, I guarantee, is not going to be able to do everything. Like, we yeah. do have, like, our Hermione's in class that post all the things. <laughs> we love, love you. Extra credit. We love extra credit. Hermione. I love her. She gets extra credit. So that, like, if you do want, if you did all the things and you want to do more, here's extra credits. And if you didn't get through all your things and you didn't get to the extra credit, it's fine. You didn't need it for next week. We're never going to go there again. It was was a helpful thing. If you had time for it that one week, you could always go back to it later, but it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Our students have access to the course after it ends. So you can always go back and be like, you know what? I actually just kidding. I did really want to teach that cue. Let me go back. It didn't seem important at the time. And now I understand now why. I see. Now I see why. <laughs> or where I could use right. it in my life. Right. Exactly. Right. What's oh. really nice too yeah. is just like the, like the sense of community that happens in the classes because it is like everyone can chat with each other. And, you know, you kind of like in those first couple weeks when we start talking about like, what's the most frustrating thing you're dealing with with your puppy right now? Because yes, puppies are cute and we all love you know, ooing and eyeing and awing over puppies, but also they make you want to rip your hair out sometimes. So what is your puppy doing that makes you want to rip your hair out? And we all get to celebrate your victories like together. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. as you post your videos of like, yay, look, it worked. Everyone is excited for you. And mm-hmm. it just feels really, really good to have that whole community backing you up. Well, you know, it, it takes a village whether we're talking about kids or puppies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it does. And it's, yeah, it's great because we we created this course out of owning puppies so that mm-hmm. we are we are in it. Uh, somebody was saying they're having a problem with uh, potty training. And I was like, you know what? I focused on a whole lot of stuff when Nausicaa was a baby. She's almost five months now. So she's still a baby, but less baby baby. You know what I didn't really care all that much about? Potty training. She has potty boxes. Sometimes she has accidents that is lower on my list of things that I care about than everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It yeah. is okay to pick your battles with this because you have to. Yep. I agree. I, I resonate with so much of what you just said because I have a litter of four foster puppies right now mm-hmm. in my kitchen. I can hear them playing. They woke <laughs> up from their nap. But it is really interesting because I hold myself to this really high standard of care and mm-hmm. of training. And I feel like wow, I want to do the very best I can to set these dogs up for success, right? And um, and I'm having to give myself grace because they yep. pee in their pen and they sometimes poop in their pen. And I think, yep. you know what? Here's the thing. Puppies have to go when they have to go. And I'm going to praise the heck out of them when they choose to do that outside. And frankly, almost every time I bring them outside, they do go outside so I can have a huge potty party when they do that. But I have given myself grace. I put down, I got some of those hospital pads, you know, the cloth ones, because I'm an environmental yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't like the, <clears throat> the plasticky ones, but I got these reusable ones. I'm doing more laundry than I've done since my kids were. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I um, but it's amazing because they actually have learned to go on those pads, which 
you know, like 80% of the time, which feels like a triumph to me. And I'm giving them grace and I'm giving myself grace to say, you know what, if you have to go out in the middle of the night, you can go on your pad because I need to take care of myself and sleep or else I'm going to be a rubbish foster mom for you in the day. So I, I had the litter of five that I recently raised and much to the tune of, hey, let's be really realistic about this. Um, two things. One, I got my COVID um, vaccines while that litter was happening. My second one, which I was down for a good 24, 36 hours. And I was like, oh, no, clearly because I haven't really, you know, I cleaned their pen and then gave them the recycling bin. So they're tearing apart paper and having a party. But clearly they're all going to grow up to be messes because we did nothing today, right? (laughs) Clearly I'm the worst and I can't believe that I can't rally together enough. (laughs) They're all fine. Guess what? Did you do your one thing? You did. It was the recycling It was the recycling (laughs) Here's paper towel tubes. (laughs) Yeah. Mine have a box right now. They're destroying this giant box. I potty try. I mean, we, we worked on overnight crate training with five puppies. And let me tell you something, they do not all wake up at the same time. Mm-mm, nope. <laughs> so it's like 3 a.m. and there is screaming. And do we really think that I, so I do have a back door, but we're in a split ranch. So there's stairs if you want to get to the grass in the backyard. And so that means waking up and opening five crates and picking up five puppies and carrying them down. De- no, absolutely not. I can see Mich- the look on Michelle's face is like, we are not doing that. No, we are absolutely <laughs> not. We are attaching an X pen to either end of the outside crates. We are lining it with potty pads and we are opening the door for the screamer and they can go to the bathroom and then they go back to bed because that's what happens when you wake up making noise in the middle of the night is you get a potty break. Well, especially because you have winter. You actually have weather where yes, you are. Yeah, You're not going to go out in the no, snow five no, times no. a night. Please don't. <laughs> I this reminds me back to when so we were terrible. literally like brainstorming with sticky notes on the wall about what we were literally. going to do. Literally, <laughs> sticky notes everywhere. And one of the things that was really important to us was that there's this like thick, bolted, double latched door where behind it, just envision this door, behind it is all of the information that you get when you are in dog world right? You're a professional or you are in in sports or whatever. Like there's all of this info and you can't get it unless you're in the community. And most people either don't want to be, or don't need to be in the community. You just want a nice dog. (laughs) And we wanted to like, take all of the stuff that makes things easier and be like, here you go. (laughs) Like you can have an indoor potty. Professionals use indoor potties. We do show dogs use indoor potties like it is okay if your dog uses potty pads if that works for you right like a crate is not your only option for containment and if your dog hates it then fold it up and put it away it'll deal with it later if you you, want it anyways what do you think i do with my service dog on a 10-hour flight when she's like hey i have to go to the bathroom you go to the bathroom you put the pee pad on the floor and you say go potty I just told a client that same thing because she's bringing up a puppy. She has to drive down to LA, pick up a puppy and drive home. And I said, you can't put her on the ground at a rest stop where all the dogs go to go potty. I said, so you may have to open the back of your SUV and put a pee pad in the back of it. Because I mean, Marie, you probably did this. I mean, I'm going to guess I did this where I carried a little toilet 
for my children, a little plastic potty yes. in the back of my car because yes. we were trying to potty I brought train the whole potty. Yes, the whole thing. We went to visit family, and I brought the whole potty, and we pulled over, and we took him out of the car seat and yes. sat him on the potty. Just out exactly, of one right? and into the other. Same, puppy, same. If you yep. are traveling with puppy, they make um, disposable cat boxes, which you can use. Throw away the litter because your puppy absolutely is not allowed to eat that litter, but they do make <laughs> paper litter. Uh-huh. And that's okay if they eat it. And just put that in the crate with the puppy. And then you don't even need to stop. Yeah. They can just wake up and go. Because yeah. no puppy wants to potty where they sleep. So in a worst case scenario, they will potty on the blanket in their crate and then move into the litter box and sleep in that. <laughs> Good, Good job. Right? Sure. Good job. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I think it's, um, I, I love that we all keep it real. I mean, I think at the end of the day, one of the reasons that I love the niche that I've chosen, even though some days I wonder if I've niched down a little too far, but that's okay. <laughs> um, families with kids and dogs, I they need me to keep it real because yeah. if I don't, they're going to feel like they're failing. Um, and I never want that. I want them to have their one thing. What matters to you? I don't care if your dog knows how to sit. I really don't. I want them to like you though. I want your dog to like you. So how do we do that? How do we get your dog to enjoy being around you and you being, enjoy being around your dog? That's what I want. My puppy hardly knows anything. I'm going to be totally honest. She knows so few cues. I think she kind of knows now. I, like I said earlier, she's five months old. She has no ribbons yet. She has no titles. She has none of the things that the people in my world tend to rate the um significance of a puppy god connor i know <laughs> but you know what she is one heck of a She's hiker so good she can go into pretty much any situation and be like all right i got this handled and a lot of that is breeding yep and also my biggest focus was you're just gonna go everywhere mm-hmm. and that's gonna go places what was yeah. really really great i mean same with pokey she's yep. eight months old and she sure knows how to sit and she can run around a, a pole she can do a go around because I needed it for a demo. So I had to teach it to her. That was non-negotiable. Yep. Um, but other than that, she knows nothing. She knows that the world is fantastic. She's extremely optimistic. She loves kids yep. to a level that's almost obnoxious because yep. she suddenly turns into an Iditarod champion. Anytime children appear, she's like, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> But she doesn't know how to sit. She can't stay. She knows her name. I will confess there, there was a trainer who got a puppy in my community. I won't, I won't drop any more hints because it's irrelevant who it is or whatever, but I will admit feeling inadequate, shall I say, because there was so much sharing of look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at my dog, look how amazing my dog is. And I was like, like, oh, like, oh, poor me. You know, those of you who can't see me, I'm making a really sad, pathetic face, like poor me. And then I thought, wait, like what actually matters? You know, what really matters? I want to go for a hike with my dog. That's what matters to me. I want to be able to go pee while I'm home with my child and not worry about what my dog and my kid are doing while I'm in the bathroom. Yeah. Really two seconds. Michelle, and if you ever want to feel better, just log on and look at my posts of whatever horrible, bad thing my puppy's right? doing that we're all laughing Can about. Can we all please be okay, you. I will. <laughs> Share your puppy chasing down and screaming at your vacuum cleaner um, more often. flower pot that 
she emptied and then ran across the house with and then tried yeah. to jump on the bed and then shattered it while I was peeing. Oh, fine. So I had to call her to the bathroom and then find something else illegal to give her uh-huh. so that she would leave the broken shards alone. Yep. yep. Um, it was a, a tube of concealer, mm-hmm. a hairbrush, and a wad of paper towel. Yep. Or like the similarly, you know, Pokey would certainly never discover that our cat litter box is oh, on no. top of a giant pee pad mm. because our cat is old and sometimes he misses and I am sitting on the toilet and I sure can't get up and I sure out of my reach and it's in the bathroom. But Pokey went, oh, there's a pee pad under here. I'm going to drag this across the floor. Oh. Um, and there's a lot of things in a bathroom that you can dance around towards a puppy to try and get their attention. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I hear where you're coming from. And probably one of the most humbling moments just for me as a professional in the whole dog world was having my child. I mean, he's he's going to be six. And me six years ago, I was very much like, here's the things you need to do with your dog and like period and done. Um, and let me tell you something. I changed a lot of the expectations that I had of my clients after I had my child, because it is incredibly humbling. And you guys, it is, it is never just about the dog or it is never just about the people. It is about that entire family because sure we could tell this person that they need to do this every single day, all of these things, absolutely, without negotiation, need to happen. But if they can't, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just, so what's your one thing? (laughs) And literally, it could just be taking a bag of recycling and dumping it into the playpen and going, have fun, tear things to bits, with the disclaimer on that story that none of those puppies ever ate the things that they tore apart. So I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. And like, there are ways to manage things. And we do really believe in management as we tell our peeing stories of a lack of management. (laughs) Those are the times that management failed. The stories where management didn't fail aren't fun because I was going to the bathroom and, you know, puppy was in the bathroom with me and the door was closed and they were on a leash so they couldn't make poor choices or they were in a crate. Behind a gate or they were Maybe eating a chew. Like, who knows? Maybe protesting. But again, and I, we keep saying it, but like, it has to be realistic. It has to be real because that's life. And yeah, we got to laugh about it. We talk, <laughs> we talk so much about setting dogs up for success. And then we hand people these four page long training plans <laughs> and we're like, good luck. And I'm like, oh. what if we set everyone up for success though, you guys? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed when I think back about one of my clients in particular who... <laughs> They I, I, I because I also have that client. And oh my I'm god! Sorry if you're listening, I'm so sorry. You and I have the same client where I have so much regret of um, this desensitize desensitization counter conditioning yeah. to body handling that was like ten pages long that I got mm-hmm. from some famous trainer yeah. of like do this then do this and they looked at me like I was had six heads and. Yeah. came from another planet and and I thought that I was breaking it down for them to make it easier so many and steps. instead I made them you know put their head in the sand and say forget it yep I'll just, I'll just put up with it distinctly remember the video I was trying to make for a client of a protocol I, I don't want to make fun of anyone so I'll just say a protocol yes I and I 
was trying to film it and not show that I was literally reading off the page as I go because there were so many steps I couldn't remember. And I just got through it and I was like, I can't even, am I expecting this person to go through this protocol with their like pages of, no, no. So then I was just like, forget this. We're going to make this like two things, do two things and we're done. (laughs) I feel you. I really do. I think that one of the reasons that I was so drawn to both of you online is just that honesty, reality. We have to be human and give our clients and their dogs grace and do everything within our power to set them up, to say yes more, to say no less, to, you know, to not get mad at yourself because you're nagging all the time. You know, I want to give you these little wins. Um, I just, you know, I want to set everybody up to, like I said before, to, to love their dog, you know, yeah. and your program does that. I'm going to link to your program, of course, in the show notes so that people can take a look at it because if they get a puppy, yeah, you know, and right now, it, honestly, one of the things that you mentioned, Marie, early on is, is that it can be really hard to find group classes that you trust or that are convenient or whatever. And this is one of the gifts I think that the pandemic has given all of us is the ability to have seen firsthand how doing things online can be so much easier. Like, I mean, like you don't have to get dressed, you, you, whatever. And, and those of us that are doing these kinds of classes, we don't care if your house is a mess. Like I, I couldn't care less. Um, but it's so easy. And if you have a baby or if you have a toddler, like we could squeeze it in at nap time. Or if you have mm-hmm. to get up and go get the baby and hold the baby while we do mm-hmm. the thing, I, that's part of my job. I am totally yeah. okay with that. And I know that most dog training facilities or many dog trainers are not comfortable around kids because they find them to be too distracting or whatever. And I get that. But that's why working with people like you guys and with me is is that it's we want to meet people where they're at. Yeah. You have to, we have to be real. Otherwise it's not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and two, going back to, you know, setting people up for success. And I think one of the things that we actually came here to talk about. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh no. No one here has ADHD. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, was, was kind of like how to pick your puppy. Yeah. And, and how do you even decide you're like, wow, I want a puppy. Oh, okay. Now what? <laughs> now what do I do? Where do I go? Um, genetics really matter, you guys. I, I, you know, it will never <laughs> astound me that we can look at, you know, a child who does a thing and we're like, ha ha ha, you're your mother's son or you're, you know. Yeah. Yep. insert here (laughs) insert here child right like you are so clearly related to this person and then we look at dogs and you know for some reason dog world wants to go no they're a blank slate and it's all on how you raise them and that is not true no No, that is not true genetics and exposure so am i going to go get let's say an australian cattle dog puppy if i have children absolutely not because they herd cattle do you know how forward and mouthy and biting you need to be yeah, to no. move a cow. It's a lot. And do you know what happens when your kids start running around and screaming is that all those hurting instincts kick in and your dog hurts your child. And it, it, it honestly hurts my heart to sit down in those consults because, you know, people are, well, how are we going to 
correct this behavior. And I'm like, well, there's nothing to correct. Like, sure, let's manage this, but your, your puppy's not broken. And as someone who always chafes at being told that I can't do something, I do want to say like, yeah, you can do it. But you do you do want it. that extra job? I didn't. Because <laughs> raising a puppy is a job. Raising a puppy that is not an excellent fit around kids yep. is like three jobs. So yep. like, yeah, you can get the Malinois. No one's saying, I mean, there's plenty of people saying you can't, but like, maybe don't. What if you didn't? What if you didn't? Do you what really if, want to? Yeah. You really want that extra job. We know you could do it. You can absolutely and do it. And you don't need to do it just for the flex. You no. are allowed to get something else instead. You're allowed to get the doodle. Just get the doodle. It's totally <laughs> or, or a couch potato of whatever it is. Get, get the Cavalier the King Charles Spaniel. Yeah, get the cab. Get, get the, the cab. Oh my God. They're just. Yeah, I know. Oh. They're so cute. I thought about getting one. I almost, I almost, I was too scared of some of the health problems though, but you know, yeah, get the Cavalier. Get... Out crossing calves that are trying to like really redirect really the breed. And I'm if so they can do that. I'll do like, it when even, we get it right. Yeah. Even all of that being said it it because genetics and there's a difference in genetics and we were talking just a bit earlier about a certain puppy who may or may not be screaming and biting in a vacuum cleaner which is very normal herding dog behavior because here's the thing and it is loud and it moves when i bite it i love this game um there are also differences within a breed so when you're picking a breeder one of the things that i tell my clients to look at is do they have pictures of raising past litters and are those past litters exposed to children or do they have children at home? And that's important if you have a child. Ideally, they're raised with a child in the home, but not everyone is going to have time for that. I mean, let's get real. Like I am, I am able to do it because my job is dogs. So when I have a litter on the ground, I am, I am home with my litter. And that is all we are doing for the next eight weeks is raising puppies. So it's not that hard it's hard always, but it's, you know, to get Dexter, my son involved in puppy things is not like I just finished an eight hour work day and now I'm coming home to do puppies. And also, you know, I have this offspring who requires my attention. <laughs> and just like there's outliers in breeds, there's outliers in situations. So I'm going to yep. turn really quickly and talk about Greg because he is my um, rescue. Uh, he's embarked as a lab English Shepherd Rottweiler mix. And he is legitimately one of the best dogs and He's he was so found outside a dumpster with his probably litter mate in mm -hmm. arkansas i think and like the foster he was at literally just had a bunch of dogs in a barn until they were shipped up north that was his yep. start and he's awesome he is such a great dog and he has some traits that are very much his um breed makeup uh he had not met Dexter, your kid, yes, um, dad, husband. And we were all in the yard and Jesse came home and Greg was like, I'm going to roar at this random man because my kid is here. It was the way though that Greg <laughs> looked at Dexter and then looked at us and then looked at Dexter like, okay, all y'all stay right here. And then he ran up the stairs to go yell at Jesse. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to bite anybody. No. But he was like, I just need you to know that that's my kid and you can't mess with this. Yeah. And, and then... then the stop barking in the backup and the look down the stairs at you like, hey, dad, did you see I'm protecting us? And I'm doing goes, my job. <laughs> best. Best. And like this, but again, like this is a dog that didn't have that perfect setup. He, uh -huh. his, um, 
Dam, his mom was probably uh, dealing with stressors, was probably a stray dog, probably didn't have the nutrients that she needed, certainly wasn't on a supplement, certainly wasn't puppy cultured, but ended up being this really great dog. And you can find those if you know how to look. And I know that that's something that you help with as well, Michelle, but like turn to, you know, your trainers, turn to us, turn to you, Michelle, and like ask how to find those puppies. Because if getting it from a breeder isn't the right choice for you, that's okay. But don't just go out and expect that every puppy is going to grow up to be a really awesome dog. Some of them are going to be a lot more work to fit into your family. And on, on that same note, though, there are times when we do do all of our homework and we think that we've gotten the right puppy or that we've gotten the right dog and then we haven't. Right. Because that can also happen in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Right. You can do your best to go and get that family dog who grew up in just ideal conditions. And for whatever reason, hello, awful resource guarding or yeah. who knows what. Right. Where did this even come from? Who knows? Maybe grandma four generations back had it. Right. Yeah. Like who knows what recessive traits needed to happen in order for this to come out in yep. this dog. Or when they hit puberty and some kind of genetic trait comes out that you weren't expecting. That happens all the time. Yep. And it it is it is okay to stop and say, I don't know if this puppy is the right fit for me. Yep. Because at the end of the day, the safety of your child has to come first. And again, bite inhibition is a real thing. And so there's a difference between a dog who says, no, this is really mine um, without hurting a child when a child walks up to just snatch something from them. And a dog who decides that this shoe belongs to me now because it just happened to be on the floor. And so I'm going to stand here and guard it and growl at anyone who enters the room. That second one is where I would put it in a category of dangerous. And the first one I would put into a category of normal because resource guarding is a normal behavior. But if you don't feel safe, right, that's that's when it's becoming a problem. And honestly, and this is, you know, again, something not everybody wants to talk about. But if your dog is just not a good fit, if it's not a dangerous dog, but it is a dog that goes, wow, I don't love that you have a chaotic family that has kids coming in and out. I don't want to go to the farmer's market. I don't want to go to the playground. I just want to be at home on a couch where people leave me alone and I have my person. It may be the kindest thing and in everyone's best interest to get that dog, that couch with that person. Mm-hmm. And I, there's just so much shame and stigma around rehoming dogs. And that does a huge disservice to both the people and the dog. Yep. I, I agree. I, I've mentioned this before, so I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I've had clients meetings where we're both crying because we're talking about all the options, you know, sometimes it's rehoming the dog. Sometimes it's more permanent than that. Mm -hmm. Catch my drift. Um, But we can't live with a ticking time bomb. It's not fair to you as a parent. It's not fair to your child who deserves to grow up in a world where they love dogs instead of fear them. And it's not fair to put a dog in a situation where it feels like it is threatened so much by just existing in that home that it needs to behave so dangerously. Um, And also it's worth saying that some dogs just are chemically off. Like sometimes there's there's just something wrong. And 
I, I think that just like with humans that we cannot stigmatize mental illness, we need to also acknowledge that sometimes our dogs really are not chemically balanced and they need more help than, than sometimes yeah, we can offer them. So that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um, just staying alive is, is not necessarily, that's not the gold standard that I'd like a dog right. to have. Mm -hmm. And just like we were talking about earlier, Marie, that, you know, a dog who's quote, tolerant is certainly yeah. not good enough, right? That is no, the lowest, was, most annoying bar. That up. It yeah. is the lowest, most annoying bar that like in dog world, we seem to think that like good with kids means that they tolerate children. Yeah. That like they'll sit there and go, I don't love this, but whatever, while a child dresses them up or just exists, right? Because there are situations that I see now where there is simply a child childing in a room <laughs> and a dog gets up to go snark at them and the whole internet is like, manage your child. And I'm like, no, that's just not a dog that's good with kids. That child was not even interacting with that dog. That kid was existing. <laughs> um, so there, there is such a big difference between a dog who is tolerant with children and a dog who is genuinely good with kids, who seeks them out and looks for their attention. Yeah. who wants to be close to them. There is such a difference. I had, I have pictures of Greg, um, Connor's adult dog, and our one of our puppies, Pokey, in the bathtub with Dexter because, I don't know, it seemed like the thing to do at the time, so Pokey got in, and De Greg just goes, oh, this is allowed? And just also just, you know, this gigungus Rottweiler lab shepherd, you know. Okay. I need a picture off. of that. And I'm going to put that picture in the show notes, please. That would be amazing. But <laughs> I, I, I need to know but that. Yeah. They love him. They genuinely enjoy getting in the tub and ending up with bubble bath on their heads. They think they it chose is so it, though. funny. They chose it. They chose it. Yeah, they chose it. They volunteered to get in there. I did not go get them and put them in the tub. Just so you can get an Instagram moment. Yeah. No. yeah. They picked it. That 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 is a thing that you can have. And that is where I would like to put the bar for family dogs. I would like to move the bar from tolerance to genuine enjoyment. You should have the dog that when your kid goes to, I don't know, get a toy that they're going to be playing. Who knows? They yeah. go get their scooter. Your dog shouldn't be running under the couch and they shouldn't be chasing after them. Like, yeah, I get to bite the scooter. Now mm -hmm. thinking, yay, I'm going to play that really fun game where I run next to you in the driveway. Right. Right. Like, yeah. And I want to see dogs that have a, a communication, um, a language of how to, yeah have boundaries because it's not all rainbows and bubble baths sometimes no. your kid is not okay like their behavior is not okay and you were 12 feet away and you couldn't quite manage it in the moment and it it reminds me of the one time that greg was really unimpressed with dexter because yep. they were on the couch and i was sitting on the other side of the couch greg was laying down and they were hanging out everybody's having a good time and then dexter started being a five-year-old, you know, and <laughs> I like turned to him and I was like, Hey bud, like that's, that's not nice. Greg isn't into that or what, you know, whatever. And he thought about it for about half a second. And then like, he like stepped on Greg or did like something just really, he escalated. He escalated. Because he's a five-year-old going on 15 as all five-year-olds are. So yeah. you tell him, please stop doing that. And he looks you dead in the eye and then he does it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so Greg 
reacted, right? Yep. He had a split second reaction, which was to turn and air snap. So his teeth clicked audibly about, I don't know, a foot away from Dexter. This was not a near miss. This was, wow, I really didn't like that. No, thank you. And then Greg stood up and left. Huh? Boy. And he's but like, I am done with this. I huh? needed to tell you no. And now I'm going to go lay on that bed that is free of five and, and that being said, we're then going to make sure that Dexter doesn't chase Greg down to yeah. go, no, I really still want to do that. Right. But again, if you have a dog living with children and your dog has seriously, genuinely never, ever, ever, ever in the history of your dog's lifetime living with your child said no thank you to your child then i don't know can i give your dog a trophy please send me your address i will find the largest trophy <laughs> that i have because at the end of the day these dogs are not robots they are living creatures who need to have the ability to say no and they should be able to do it in a way that doesn't put our families in danger yeah i mean it is absolutely ridiculous some of the things that i see like i i saw recently this this some trainer on the instagram world you know when you're doom scrolling because you can't sleep at night put up this graphic all about how kids should never ever be approaching a dog that there's never a situation in which a child approaches a dog the dog always approaches the child and like do you have kids <laughs> Also, how, how have we screwed up if these right? domesticated animals that we have in our homes are so dangerous or so potentially dangerous that, like, a child no. can't walk towards them? No. Oh, my God. No. We need to rethink I, what we're doing. I don't want to move the bar down below tolerance. I want to be moving it up closer to enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Well, it's so hard. When we see so many, those of us who are in the industry, we see so many horror stories that it's hard to avoid swinging the other way with that pendulum of like, I need to avoid dog bites to kids. Therefore, I need these black and white rules that say, Mm -hmm. if a child never approaches a dog, then that dog will never bite that child because I want to avoid that disaster. I need to not be the story in the news. So I can see that um, inclination, but again, it's not practical. Yep. No, I, again, six years ago, I was a different person and I wanted, I was going to be that home. I was going to be that home where the child didn't approach the dog and the dog only ever approached the child. And sure, that made a lot of sense for an infant because they can't anyway. And when he started crawling, that wasn't too hard because he's not that fast. He actually started with rolling, which was pretty funny. (laughs) Dexter learned that he could roll to get from point A to point B. (laughs) Right. But once they're walking, I forget where are you, what are you doing with your dog all day? Do they live in your bedroom now? Right. And I mean, what? <laughs> especially, and this is, I mean, it's, I feel like this is a little bit off topic because, uh, you know, it's not all professionals listening to your show, but right. as, as animal professionals, for those of you out there listening, we know what behavior change looks like, right? We know how to set up a behavior change plan. So why are we telling people that are currently doing these like really unsafe Instagram photo shoots to now completely switch over to your child never interacts with your dog unless you're right there? Like, absolutely not. We need to break it down into things that actually are realistic for them. Like maybe next time, invite your dog to the Instagram photo shoot instead of like, pushing their butts down and holding them there, right? Like, uh. 
incremental yeah. changes. Yeah, it, it is so hard. It is really hard um, to parent well. And I include oh, yeah. dogs as that in part of that too, right? So you're, I mean, I say you're parenting your dog, you're guardianshipping your dog or whatever it is that you're doing, but I, you are trying to do the best you can to raise a creature that is good in the world, right? Yeah. So to me, that's parenting. Yeah. That's what I wanted for my kids, kids that contribute to the world. And so it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I and think we, yeah, go ahead. We are all doing our best. So mm-hmm. just with all of that being said, anyone yeah. who's listening and going, oh God, don't come after me like that. I'm not coming after anyone. No. Yeah. I'm I'm just letting everyone know who's ever seen those things and been immediately overwhelmed at how much work that would be, that it is a lot of work and most professionals don't do all that. Yeah, I know that's true. And those of us that really want you to be successful are going to break things into small steps yeah. so that you feel like you're winning. Because if we feel like we're failing all the time, we're just going to throw in the towel and we're not going to keep trying. Yeah. And we don't want to throw dog training into that pile of like shame failure. Right. Like let's make it so it's fun so that you get these small wins and so that it actually fits into your life. It needs to work for you. One of the things I love so much about all the curriculum that we built for super puppy and for, we have an agility foundations um, class that's starting. So, and again, no big fancy equipment, you do it in your living room Um, and a trick class coming. They are all, all of the exercises throughout all of the curriculum and all of the classes are family friendly or are kid friendly. Your child can help you. Your older child who could follow directions, they can do it. And I would I would know because I, I let my child try. Right. <laughs> it's actually one of one of the ways in which I test to go, okay, do these directions make sense? Is that first I'll ask my husband. Um, who's a physicist. And so that is the opposite of dogs. Right? Like, <laughs> does this make sense to you? Do you follow me here? Um, and then I'll ask my child, Dexter, can, can you do this? Does this make sense to you? Right. And if my husband can do it and my six-year-old can do it, then can this other, you know, random friend that I selected off of my friends list who doesn't have a dog, can they do it? Yes. Okay. We have, we have passed the three and now we're moving on. Right. We we want to be able to involve your child. And if you're I mean, in this class, we have a 10 year old yeah. who's doing the the primarily everything. And if you have little ones at home that you want to be involved in those activities, absolutely. You know, we, we can customize those within the course for you. And that's the thing is right? we're, there. we're there. We are in the group and we have uh, the only thing that is on a schedule is our live sessions. And it, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm in a different time zone, whatever. That's fine. You can watch it later. It's recorded. Mm-hmm. But if you're there watching and you're like, hey, this thing just popped up this week, we're there. Yeah. If you're not there. Drop it in the comments. And we go, oh yeah, no, no worries. Let's handle this now. That's great. I love it. All right. I feel like we could talk for another two hours, but okay. in in respect to our listeners' time, because we know they're, busy, <laughs> they're probably done with their dog walk and they're sitting in the driveway waiting to go back in the house. They're like, right. okay, wrap it up, people. <laughs> um, that's what I, those driveway moments, I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, anyway, I, I think that we will definitely do a follow-up. And Marie, mm-hmm. I would love to talk about your breed more specifically. and. Yes. And the fact that you are breeding to make good family dogs on purpose um, and the difference between that and and a variety of other dog breeds, which there is absolutely a purpose and an interest in every breed for different people for different reasons. But when 
a family is saying, I've got kids and we want to add a dog, then they're making a conscientious choice to add a dog that likes children. And we can talk, we'll dive in more because we were going to talk about today and we got super distracted and derailed. But I love that because it was real. And, And we can talk more about criteria because even now I'm raising these for foster puppies and they're going to be adopted soon. And I keep thinking, wow, do I get any say in which families they go to? And I hope that I can help these families so that I'm not giving the really sassy, very naughty one to a family (laughs) of young kids because that parent is going to have a really hard time feeling successful. Mm -hmm. But there is one that's more common even, and that one would be better, right? Even though the sassy one is cuter, right? This is also the other issue. And you did mention really liking the look of certain dogs, but that's not the only criteria. So um, we will, I promise everyone, we will dive into that another time. Um, Connor and Marie, why don't you say where you can be found on social media? And then I will link to all of those places, including your class in the show notes. Um, Marie, why don't we start with you? Um, okay, so on social media, um, I will start with you can find both of us at a Super Pup Academy. There might be a dot in there. Is there a dot in there for Instagram? I don't believe so. I don't think so. <laughs> We're doing great. <laughs> Neither of us it's have a Google. It's okay. um, Instagram is Super Pup Academy. And then um, for me and my wind sprites, um, it's Sprites of Apsara. That's A P S A R A on um, Instagram and Facebook. Um, Facebook is Opsara Windsprites. Um, and we also have Super Pup on Facebook and TikTok as right. well. And you can also find me, Connor, at uh, Kingfisher Dog Adventures. And that is on Facebook and Instagram. And then I started up my own TikTok where I talk about opinions of things. <laughs> oh, you don't have any opinions, Connor. I, I don't know. What's the most boring channel ever? I recently did a That's video really about um, how dogs shouldn't be biting kids, which apparently is controversial. Um, but yeah, that's Connor S. Kingfisher okay. on TikTok. All right. Well, I'm going to go sign up for that right now, obviously. <laughs> I know. I had stayed away from TikTok I can't for imagine. so long. Yeah, it's good. I'm kind of too old for TikTok, but I do Same. find it a hilarious rabbit hole. So mm-hmm. thank you good. so much, Michelle. Thank yes, you thank for you. your time. I loved right. talking to you. Thank yes. you so much. Yes. And right. to the parent who's sitting in their car right now in their driveway, really hoping that we're not going to stop talking so that their baby keeps sleeping. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. I, I so feel that. I really do. Just okay, replay. Yeah. Just hit replay. Yeah, hit replay. Listen to another pro- Listen to another episode. Like to go hit the 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 button the and like just back up to the beginning and just let it go yeah. again. Yeah. Everyone else enjoy the rest too. of your day. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. I appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Thank you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on the podcast app of your choice. For ongoing support, get on the wait list for the Pooch Parenting Society, where I share training tips, activities, and coaching so families with dogs can live in harmony. By signing up at safekidsanddogs.com, you'll be the first to know when I open registration again for new members.